Welcome to First Friday Five. It's the first Friday of the month, and we're watching five episodes of a TV show and judging it based solely on those five episodes. Today's show is Psych. As always, I'm Corbin. And I'm Corbin. Psych! I'm Cody. <laughs> Welcome back to the show, baby. <laughs> Great bit. I've heard it both ways. And of course, joining us as our first guest on First Friday Five, it's the first guest that we ever had on CAP, Connor Van Overberg, another former roommate of ours. And they were roommates. Yeah, it's good to be back. Um, like I said in my appearance or my question that I submitted for the look back at two years of the pod, um, first guest, the best guest, and we had to keep that streak going. So glad to be here. Setting the standard high early for all the future guests. So I uh, love to see it and excited to talk about Psych. The uh, five episodes that we're going to be watching today are the pilot season one episode one for the first episode mr yen presents season four episode 16 which is connor's pick last night gus season six episode two which is the highest rated episode a nightmare on state street which is season eight episode nine which is the lowest rated episode as well as the penultimate episode of the series and then the finale titled the breakup season eight episode 10 those are the five episodes we're watching check the description for a link Go watch them on Peacock and come back and listen to the episode. No, you know, normally we want the guests to choose things. And I, I kind of said, hey, we should do Psych when you came on. But can you explain like why Psych is a, is a good show for the three of us to talk about, Connor? Yeah, I can. I really thought that you were going to dive into this. Um, but Psych, um, good thing I prepared for it, though. Uh, I think really when we moved into the... Uh, hilltop apartment the three of us together i think psych was really one of the first shows that we all like sat down and watched together because i don't like the office um so i didn't really watch that with y'all unless i was just sitting there uh hanging out but yeah i think that psych was the first one because corbin you really you kind of started watching it again yeah um, i was doing a little rewatch, and it just happened to like i would have it on but then we would all kind of just like gather around the tv and, and we'd just be sit there watching and then i think Cody, had you seen Psych prior to that? I don't, you hadn't, right? Or no, I had so never you ended been. up like going and like rewatch, like watching it all, right? Yeah, I believe so. I think I may have missed a few spots here and there. And it was a while back. So I don't remember like everything about all the episodes, but I had never seen it before uh, you had brought it up either. And like Vano said, I mean, it's kind of just a show like we would always just have on, um, sometimes in the background, uh, sometimes just like, when we all got back from class so it's definitely one of those good shows where you, you can kind of just like you don't need to know all the backstory of the characters and it's still enjoyable i think yeah it's definitely one that's like very episodic and you can hop in at any point where you don't really have to know every bit of the story which is you know great for a show like first friday five that we're doing it's like this you know light fun early 2000s comedy that kind of intersected with our humor bases and it's got a great theme song that we love to jam out to as well facts i mean this show in general i feel like it's just unbelievable fun and uh you know great pick vano not really your pick but you know by default i guess good pick living yeah. up to the first guest type yeah good to have you back but good pick even though it wasn't your pick yeah corbin kind of jumped into it and it's just like hey let's do psych and honestly I forgot about it. And I was like, yeah, that's a great, great um, choice. I think it was maybe because conveniently they were doing a bunch of reruns. Uh, over well, on even crazier enough, yesterday was James Roday's birthday. I saw that on <laughs> Facebook. I was like, okay, well, okay. Happy belated birthday to him. Um, birthday but yeah, they were, I think they were doing a bunch of 
reruns uh, on TV, and I think I was sending Snapchats to uh, Corbin, and then that may have inspired him. You you definitely did send me a video. I, I think a, a couple weeks back, but it, just even beyond that, like I knew I wanted we wanted to do Psych for this particular show, and we wouldn't want to do it without having Connor here. So great to have you. Oh, thanks, guys. In terms of Psych itself, uh, just to explain for the people that don't know, it's an American detective comedy drama directed by Steve Franks, and it premiered on the USA Network. Cody, I know you're a huge fan of USA television. Oh, yeah. Shout out White Collar. Great network. <laughs> the series stars James Rode Rodriguez. We'll uh, get into that in a second. Um, as Sean Spencer, he basically is pretending to be a psychic detective because he couldn't reveal the fact that he's just really good at observing stuff due to like the things his dad taught him as a child. Uh, but he works for the San Diego, Santa Barbara Police Department in California using his heightened observational skills to solve crimes. He's pretending to be a psychic and pretending that he's getting all these different psychic visions and different things throughout the course of the series, which causes a lot of different comedy and different things to ensue. Co-starring alongside James Roday, uh, Dulé Hill, Timothy Osmondson, Maggie Lawson, and of course, Corbin Burnson, who plays his father. I'll kick us off. I, I really do like the cast. Dulé Hill, obviously from Holes fame. I think a really good pairing along with, with James Roday. I think their chemistry really carries the show. And he does uh, dig a hole in one of these episodes. I do want to say that. <laughs> that is true. Irony. Uh, but as well, yeah, Corbin Burnson, or as well, however you say his name, he's in Major League. So one of my you know favorite actors is from that movie alone. But yeah, overall, I'm a fan. Like you said, I mean, it's pretty simple premise. They keep it you know pretty much the same, I feel like, tone throughout uh, the entire series. And it's something that I feel like is a little bit hard to hate. Like you can find holes in, in these episodes, but the premise is what it is. It, it's it's kind of just fun. So yeah, I, I like this show in general for sure. It airing on USA Network, I think it fit really well into kind of their the comedies that they were putting out. Obviously, Monk was a little bit of a sister program to this throughout its run. They aired on the same night on USA. But I, I just love the premise as a whole. I, I think it's so fun that he's just like this incredible detective, this incredible, you know, problem solver deducive he's basically you know like sherlock but he has to mask it and hide it through this absurd idea of being a psychic detective i don't obviously watch as much tv or movies as as y'all do um but i feel like i forget about this show and every time it comes back up i'm just like oh like realize how great it is once again i think a, a part of that is because when i was younger my mom would watch this show a lot and we had like some seasons on dvd so like being able to going back and watching some of these and seeing those reruns recently kind of just like was a little nostalgic because it was like like oh I remember that from like watching that as a kid but also it's just really good yeah and I mean like this show ran for eight seasons 120 episodes from July 2006 to March 2014 and while it's not one that like is extremely popular and mainstream and well-known and like nobody's talking about psych usually it has a very like dedicated subset of fans that appreciate it and there's a group of people that really like turn out for psych and and i i've always enjoyed it i wouldn't necessarily put myself up there as like the upper echelon of psych fans i'm not begging for the three movies they've released in the last six years <laughs> but like I've definitely always appreciated it and it, it's cool to see that it's it's had a lasting power within a small community at the very least I mean for me I remember watching this in middle school and you guys both know uh shout out to Vincent Patterson fellow high school 
uh, alumni of mine, but also Purdue alumni with us, we, we used to talk about psych when we were like in middle school. And that was like, just something me and my friends, like me and my one of my <laughs> middle school girlfriends, we would talk about psych. Like, I don't know, this was like a growing up show for me. So it's definitely nostalgic to go back. Um, and really like that rewatch uh, my sophomore year, your guys' junior year was like the first time I'd really come back to it. And then now this is again, like the first time I've come back to it since then. So it was definitely cool to experience it through these, uh, five episodes have either of you guys seen uh the the movies they've done i feel like i watched part of the first movie um however long ago but other than that no i haven't watched them in full i think possibly we had like all started the first movie together. the first movie did come out in 2017 so it was out when we were living yeah. together mm-hmm. so i think like, we might have watched it but we just didn't like it <laughs> yeah i think we like stopped halfway through because we were like this is really bad but i'm kind of in the same boat i haven't you know, been into this, I feel like in a while, probably since college, I, maybe I've seen an episode or two here and there over the years, but I haven't really got into it. And I think Corbin, you're, you're playing down. Uh, I think you are a, a big psychic guy or whatever the fandom calls themselves. A psycho. <laughs> I like those, the psychos. I think you are a closeted psycho right now and you just need to come out because I, I think you are a big fan and you're downplaying a little bit. I don't, use Facebook but like Facebook is still on my phone and I'll just like get on Facebook and scroll through it when I'm really bored and because like when I got on Facebook I was in middle school and I was like this is one of those things I was a fan of I liked the like psych Facebook page so like I still get psych shit in my Facebook timeline all the time that's where I saw it was James Rodriguez's birthday yesterday so it's like it's managed to remain a part of my life at least in that form I guess well congrats on that uh but yeah <laughs> i don't know what you do you're still doing on facebook either but that, that's <laughs> yeah i know i know um but yeah they did they really i i never watched any of the movies they released psych 2 lassie comes home in 2020 it was a, a peacock pandemic drop and then psych 3 this is gus in in 2021 which again is also on peacock um i will say jake ross shout out to junior he's he's watched all three of these movies and he I guess as a fan of them. So there you go. I I, I said I, I'm probably good at watching it. I feel like I heard about the second one. I definitely did not know there was a third one. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Like they're just, there's obviously a market for like they wouldn't be giving them money. Obviously, like 2020, 21, there was like a little bit of a boom in like streaming product and like what type of content can we produce, what old IP we can revitalize. But still, like there obviously was an audience that they've done three of these like there's been reason to come back which is interesting uh i do want to talk about the name the the main character sean spencer he's credited throughout the run of the series as james roday but in the last couple years he's decided to take back his birth name james roday rodriguez um which is just a really interesting story i was reading about it and he was just talking about how like early on in his career when he was going as james rodriguez he just like wasn't getting parts and he he auditioned for Primal Fear for the Ed Norton role in it. And the casting directors were like, we love you, but like, we just can't, we can't cast somebody like in this main role that's supposed to be a white guy as a character that's like, as somebody named Rodriguez, like that just doesn't make sense. And then apparently he was like, offered the role of like a gangster in the movie instead. And he was like, what? No, I'm not going to do that. So he like struggled for many years trying to like make a name for himself as James Rodriguez. And he just... He came to the point like 
right before psych in the mid 2000s where he was like i won't get cast and stuff because then people will you know either see me as just like a, a white guy that's got a, a foreign last name is like a fake diversity hire or i just won't get cast and stuff because people too are too racist to cast me so he just decided to go by james roday he said as like through the pandemic and just kind of like reestablishing a connection to his roots and talking to his father and you know about his grandparents and the struggle they had in texas he decided to return the the rodriguez to his name and now he you know officially goes by james roday rodriguez which I, I think is very interesting to say the least but you know it's just one of those things that ha happens in hollywood all the time like people have to change their names to conform to a certain ideal or a certain set of beliefs that you know is being forced upon them by the industry big ups to him for you know kind of fighting back against that obviously and uh yeah i mean it's well documented hollywood um has been doing that for a long time which um obviously glad it, it's kind of changing it a bit at least Kind of interesting. I mean, Rodez, it's not a bad choice for a last name. I think you could pick something better. Um, and I mean, if he's going back to Rodriguez, just drop the Rodez, I would feel like. But obviously, that's like how people know him. Branding at, at the end yeah, of the day, I guess. Yeah, just go James Rodriguez, I think. I, I just drop it completely. But that is a crazy story. I did not know that. That's pretty interesting. We love 21st century races. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the theme song. Cody, I know you're a huge fan, so why don't you kick it off? Yeah. And um, this is my favorite category of this uh, this new little show as well. Just ranking all the theme songs. Um, I'll tell you what, man. I did not think The Office uh, really had much competition going deep into the show. But it's got major competition. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I mean, this may be the catchiest theme song I've ever heard in my life. It's uh, an earworm for sure. Yeah. If it didn't chart like top five in its initial release, I'd be shocked. Yeah, it's it's one of my favorites. It's it's again, it, it kind of lives up to that, that criteria of I'm never gonna skip it. And I don't think like I could watch this series like a hundred times. I legitimately don't think I would ever skip the song. It may be my favorite part of every episode. So I think pretty highly of it. But yeah, what, what, Vanna, how do you feel about the theme song? Oh, I'm also a big fan of it. I I agree that like it, it is not one that you skip um and it just kind of gets you hyped up uh and energized for the show to start and not to mention like the lyrics go extremely well with the entire premise of the show um and extremely like, thematic say, right and then it's a like when it hits like a psych you out in the end and it comes up with the the title perfectly executed yeah it's great both on like a musical level and even on a visual level as well they continuously switch up the the different things that you're seeing throughout the different series run they they drag and drop different images um, but it is so catchy and it's so emblematic of what the sh whole show is about something that i also love about it is that it is sung by this band called the friendly indians which is the band of the show's creator steve franks so it's the show's creator steve franks who wrote the theme song so uh i, I guess it, you know it makes sense that it all fits in so perfectly and the, you guys touched on it but i mean the lyrics are awesome uh just those first two lines <laughs> i know you know that i'm not telling that you're i mean that's gold like it literally sets up the premise of the show perfectly and uh yeah i, I don't think they could have done any better throughout the series run they did some really cool like spins on the opening theme so like for the Christmas episode, they did like a Christmassy one that had like a, a Christmas backing and there was a Spanish version for a specific episode mm -hmm. and they did a Bollywood one and they a boys yeah. to men acapella version and there was a Chinese version and there was a the t Kurt, Kurt Smith who appears in one of our episodes, but in a different Kurt Smith appearance, who is the lead singer Tears for Fears, he recorded a song and did it over the themes for Twin Peaks was used at one point, like a version of that. There was a superhero version. Like they've they've just switched it up so many different times 
um, which I love when a show can kind of like take a regular episode and, and do a little tweak to the to the main title sequence. It's unfortunate that our five episodes did not contain any of those, though. Uh, now that you mentioned it, I do remember them them doing that, and it's I agree, it's pretty pretty cool that they're able to like switch it up that way. You kind of missed out. You should have picked one where it did change, but you know, just bad pick from the guest, I guess. There, yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> his one episode. So we uh, we do have to officially rank it, Cody. I know how you feel. Uh, I I think I feel similar. Connor, do you think Psych is better than The Office's theme song? You know, when I was thinking about this, I didn't think it, it was going to be as close as it was for me. I think everyone knows I'm not a fan of The Office, but I think I've been on record saying that the theme song of The Office is the best part of The Office. <laughs> uh, and it's all just downhill after it includes. Um, but I am putting this at the top of the charts. Scrubs is at you the hate, bottom. <laughs> you hate Scrubs, yeah. We, we, <laughs> not a Laszlo Bain fan. Nobody is. But yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I, I've talked about it already, but... I, I do genuinely think it is better than The Office, which is going to be tough to even, you know, topple that second place spot as we move along in this series, I think. But uh, I, I think this will be staying at number one for a long time. Absolutely. Let's move over to our episodes. Our first episode was The Pilot, and it is titled Pilot. Cody, take it away. What did you think of The Pilot? I think it's good. I think it sets up the premise. Um, obviously, the core of the show is is this friendship between, uh, you know, Guster himself and Sean. I think they did a great job setting that up. Also cool. I mean, I, I didn't remember a ton from the pilot. Obviously, I haven't seen it in forever. So kind of one of the first scenes being, you know, Sean and his dad um, in that diner, I thought it was a cool setup as well, kind of explaining, you know, uh, identic memory. and, and How many that. hats. Yeah, how many hats, which comes up again uh, throughout the series, which I like. But yeah, in general, just a couple of plot points. I mean, why would the police department ever really hire these guys? Um, that's my main question. Obviously, it's the premise of the show, so we have to get there somehow. Yeah, I don't know. To me, that that kind of just seems unrealistic. And then the other glaring thing is, of course, the the recast. I don't even know the, the girl's name in the first episode. It's kind of a coach new girl situation, I believe. But also, I I don't even I have a hazy memory of the rest of the series. Does this girl ever return? Is she there only for the first episode and then she's Yeah, gone? Jules Jules is officially there by episode 2. So she's oh, gone. Okay. Well. So it's like a coach situation, but it was just completely permanent. <laughs> Which kind of sucks for the girl who was who was cast in the pilot originally. But yeah, I mean, Jules not being there I think is weird, but I I'd say overall the the pilot's good. I mean, it sets up the premise that you you get to know the core of the characters. Um, I think it does its job pretty well. Yeah, and the th they do like explain it away because they're basically like, oh, well, they have, since her and Lassie were having an affair, she gets like transferred away or whatever. So, you know. I guess that makes sense. But I, I think it, you know, it's, it is a class. I think they made the right decision. She, I, I am confirming here. She was in only the singular episode in 2006. Um, wow. I, I don't know specifically what it was if, you know, they recast her if she had another project she had to leave for because you know oftentimes the way it works is you film a pilot way in advance you shop it around in different studios it gets picked up that you know maybe months in between the filming of that pilot and when the show actually gets purchased so you know any number of things could have happened i think that's the girl from and this just came to my head but i think that's the girl from how i met your mother she plays natalie in two episodes yeah, yeah. the sock monkey girl who beats his ass in the restaurant so shout out to her she, she went out to do some stuff i don't think she's terrible yeah, she, she's like, cause she's been a TV player. She was on like 20 episodes of House. She's was on okay. an episode of Grimm, an episode of Grey's, an episode of Rizzoli and Isles. And she's on The Good Doctor. Like she, you know, she's a worker. She uh -huh. gets her house. She's 
not bad. She's still making they, her money. Like That's good. They should have brought her back for an episode where, like, maybe she's the murderer or something. I think that <laughs> scorned by the the lost love of Lassie. Doesn't yeah. fun, but missed opportunity. Maybe they'll do it for the fifth movie or something. Hey, Cody, but... we do have a pitch coming up. So <laughs> the, I should have said the door's still I open. I didn't even pitch that, but whatever. <laughs> I think the introduction of Maggie Lawson, which we obviously don't get to until much later, is extremely important to the show. Her chemistry with James Roday is off the charts. Funny enough, they like dated, but they dated only for the duration of the show. So they had a relationship from like 2006 to 2014. And that was it. Like it didn't last any longer than that. But they are incredible on screen. Even more incredible on screen are James Roday and Dulé Hill, their chemistry, their relationship. That's really what this show is about more than anything, like Cody said. And I love their introduction. I love their just instant off the bat. They're best friends. They get along so well. I think the biggest thing is that usually when you have pilots of TV shows, they're kind of awkward and kind of really like introductory and kind of don't really flow with the rest of the TV show. I feel like for this, you can watch it and feel like it's season three i feel like the way that they they do it and how like witty and sean's personality is on full display immediately um and sean and gus's relationship is is at its seamless as well so like you can think that it is a different season and not the pilot um anytime you watch it i honestly when i watched it when we were watching them for this i turned it on i was like oh this is the pilot because i had seen it a couple times and i just didn't realize that this was like the first episode and that's kind of where I, I thought of that yeah i think there's just like an extremely strong understanding of character right off the bat like they knew who they wanted sean and gus to be they knew like the relationship they wanted him to have with his dad they knew exactly like the way lassiter was going to be the antagonist throughout the series um so i think they just had like a really strong understanding of the structure that they wanted and they were able to stick with it throughout which i think is really great um the theme song actually doesn't play in this no. until it does play over the closing credits which is fine but that i think that's another one of those like pilot things where it's like it just has you know psych as the title card because they didn't they hadn't filmed a whole season of a show they didn't have all these you know imagery to even use for a title sequence yeah the, the it's a cool thing as well where they actually include like clips from the season usually like a lot from the season finale or the last couple episodes like in the early episodes too so you don't you like have seen those a couple times then when they do show up it's like in context, which is cool, which happens in the finale, which uh, we'll talk about. I do love that the episode kind of ends with them like setting up the office. And and that's kind of like, I think it's just like a perfectly crafted pilot in that way of like, you you set up the whole premise of like, he's got to pretend to be a psychic and here's why he has to. And he's going to drag in his best friend and then they're going to open this office and then they they just have this like cool detective agency and that becomes like the main setting of the show moving so forward outside of like going to Gus's apartment or Sean's up like I hate that you see that shit in the pilot because like I don't want to see these characters like where these characters live just show me the the psych office in the in the the police headquarters also the police department design I really like too I think underrated part of the show is kind of those canopies and stuff but yeah really visually cool I feel like great open floor plan yeah agreed let's move over to uh our guest selection which is uh season four episode 16 mr yin presents i guess we should start with connor why do you want to talk about this episode yeah this was one that like really not necessarily stuck with me but i remember uh as i mentioned when i watched this as a kid uh mainly because i was probably just 
scared um <laughs> because of like the whole theme of it and the uh the like serial killer vibe and whatnot so it kind of freaked me out so probably stuck with me because of that i think i have learned that i have like an affinity for shows or movies and such where the protagonist meets their um like their match essentially um so as these two know my two favorite movies are probably the dark knight and infinity war those two show or movies where essentially the hero does not win um and you're kind of put up against um someone as equally as good as you and you kind of and don't come away with the victory uh and in this episode he kind of pulls a a joker theme and then pulls his two loves away from him and he has to choose which one to uh this is a very dark night episode (laughs) it is Which one came first, this or The Dark Knight? I think it was definitely this, right? Uh, this would have been like 2010, because it's season uh, four, so. Well, they just ripped off The Dark Knight, I guess. <laughs> That's unfortunate. <laughs> well, they also ripped off the uh, films of Alfred Hitchcock, which I do <laughs> want to talk about. Is something that's really cool about this episode, and honestly, another episode that we're going to talk about also deals you know, very heavily in like movie motifs and movie themes, but I, I think it's super cool the way they integrate all the different Hitchcock stuff into this in terms of Mr. Yin doing it and like the psycho kill of Mary's character is is so perfectly executed and just like all the different shots and obviously the vertigo reference with Jules up on the clock tower and or you know the clock tower in this case I just think all that stuff is is really great agreed that's probably my favorite part of the episode as well uh, the most cheesy and campy one, which I love, is the North by Northwest <laughs> plane where it's just some kid in the park with his plane. I love that. Oh, and then the rear window at the end, too, where Sean kind of has the view of the entire scene. Mm-hmm. I, I like that that reference a lot as well. But I think this is a great pick for, for a specific episode. I know I was ragging on you earlier. It, it does have just, yeah, no problem. does have just kind of a little bit of a different tone than I feel like a lot of the normal episodes. And this is one that definitely stuck out to me as well of like one I remembered when we did originally, you know, go through this series, just because it is like very serious and, and very emotional at the end as well. And yeah, I didn't even think about the whole Dark Knight Infinity War thing. That does make sense on why you would like this. And he kind of does mean his match, but I mean, they still do win at the end, I guess, in a sense. So not exactly the same, unfortunately, uh, both both the girlfriends survived. Uh, sadly. He breaks up with the girl, so yeah, <laughs> the relationship also- is ruined. I mean, there's just a ton going on in the episode, and I think maybe that's maybe crammed in a little bit too much at the end, you know, kind of just a, a reset uh, for the remaining of the story, which I don't hate either, but great villains. I like Yang a lot, too, when they go and visit her, and then Mary's just such a weirdo. I, I think that's an interesting character, too, but I need more information on Mr. Yin. There's a reveal at the end I don't really remember. I probably, and I, I have kind of restarted watching season one, I'm not going to lie, so I have a couple other episodes, but did they kind of reveal who it is in this episode they don't reveal so that's the thing i I wanna so psych i think of over the course of the series run has like two main like multi-episode villains that i always identify the one obviously being carrie yule's despero princess bride boy but then of course yin and yang is is the other one and there is further episodes that explain the rest of what happens. So while they do like win in the end, obviously they don't catch anyone. They don't figure out what happens. It's kind of more of just like a cliffhanger. And then later they're going to you know discover that it's Yang's father, I think. Right. That's what the reveal ends up being. That's what the internet told me when like I looked that, it up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the, the thing that you reference at the end of this episode, it's revealed that like, there's a picture of 
Yang and Young Sean together, which is a strange yeah. thing that they try and throw in. Kind of a weird reveal, and that's why I was, uh, appreciate you guys clearing that up because I was like, "Is this something bigger? Should I know what this is?" But it, it's not really. <laughs> it's kind of a, a weird off reveal, but yeah, I, I do like this episode a lot. I think having a really compelling villain like that and kind of integrating um, the Hitchcockian themes in it as well was kind of a perfect, perfect combination. So yeah, definitely a good pick. I think for for a favorite episode. They play off like movie spoofs um, a lot. Spoiler alert, the next one that we uh, talked about last night, Gus, is kind of like the hangover. I know they do one for like Clue, and there are probably some other ones in there. But yeah, definitely. A, a, I don't know if this is the first one, but definitely a big um, theme throughout the entire TV show. Sean and Gus, or Sean specifically, loves his pop culture reference. And then beyond that, the show itself loves to make the pop culture reference. Like you said, Last Night Gus, which is our next one, is very hangover-esque. The one after that, Nightmare on State Street, is filled with horror movie references. So uh, yeah, uh, I, I do love the uh, the line of, she gets overly stimulated by color. And then Gus goes, what about my face, Sean? yeah <laughs> gus gus always has the best just like concerned jokes gus was low-key the mvp of the episode as well i mean him holding back the clock tower on his own i think needs to be mentioned at least um just the most underrated character i think in the show in general too so yeah shut well, up guys he's got great one-liners something i wrote down for the pilot even the whole like reason they discover who the killer is is because gus finds medication for like dog bites in the cabinet and like he uses that and conveys that to sean and that's how he figured so it's like gus is always you know he's an integral part of these investigations shout out guster underrated bert <laughs> all right our next episode season six episode two last night gus is the highest rated of the entire series with a 9.6 on imdb so like we said this episode is very much like they wake up, they don't know what happened last night, and they're trying to piece it together. But also, you know, there's a dead body and a murder invent. Like, there's all these, you know, extraordinary circumstances. This is really our first episode that we get. Well, this is our first episode where we get the character of Woody, which I think is great. Um, he's a later season addition. He plays the kind of the coroner, but he's just like the most off the wall, weird comedic relief character in the whole series. Um, and I, I think he gets a real chance to shine throughout this episode. Yeah, I like this episode. <laughs> I think Woody kind of just overall, I don't know. He, he's kind of, like you said, kind of just a kooky character. Um, I think this episode, it does work. I'm a bit surprised this episode is rated as high as it is. I mean, 9.6 is pretty ridiculous, but there's just a lot of, I think this is kind of just like the smoothest episode comedy wise that you can do for this show. And it kind of like the cast is, is I think working on all cylinders together. It does a great job of highlighting all supporting members extremely well. Yeah. I was going to say, especially Lassie, because I feel like usually he's against odds with, you know, this, this duo, but he's in it with them this time, which I love. And they're kind of keeping Juliet, um, you know, out of it, which normally is, is not the norm, I would say. Um, so love seeing Lassie kind of work together with the boys. A really cool detail with that is like throughout the beginning of the episode, he like calls them Sean and Gus because it's like they're on that he's like actually respects them and is on the same playing field but he would never like ever call him sean it's always spencer spencer yeah no uh shout out timmy Olaf olafon as well uh i think a really fun actor and he doesn't have that much to do i feel like throughout the series this episode, this episode he does my favorite moment that i want to shout out to well there's a couple 
But the first one is, of course, the donut reveal of them knocking that down. And it's just the constant callback of being like, oh, like, uh, I, that didn't happen. Let me see the footage. And then the footage is even worse than they can imagine. That happens a couple of times. And then the weird slow-mo explosion <laughs> with them jumping off the balcony. It's weird, but I think it really works, especially for this episode. And that that is probably my favorite uh, moment of of the episode as well. But yeah. yeah, a lot of really small, like super fun stuff in this one for sure. They had two of those slow mo. The them walking into the bar. <laughs> yeah, and I was slightly confused, but I was like, all right, we'll, we'll go with it. Those are good. Those are good ones, Kelly. But do you know what the best part of this episode is? Oh, tell me. Do you remember what the uh, killer's name was? <laughs> I don't. Actually, I have that later on in the show, and I couldn't remember his name, and I was too lazy to look it up. Leroy Jenkins. <laughs> oh, <okay>. Leroy. <laughs> weird, re- like such a weird reference right. for him to make. So strange, and it's it's great because when Sean like says it, he's like, Leroy. He like, he does it. I mean, it's awesome. <laughs> Shout out Leroy. He deserves it. Like all the do- jokes in this are extremely tight. Like whether it's Gus getting his chance to finally say, you know, that's right. You know, the last night Gus had some serious game and the fucking like Ed lover showing up for whatever reason that they bring up the bud from the Cosby show thing, which is a running joke. Like they're just, they're firing all cylinders. I think drugged Gus at the end when the guy's pointing the gun at him is just comedy <laughs> gold. Dooley Hill. I just, get this guy give this man an oscar i, I mean come on he's he's deserved it since holes he needs needs his big break <laughs> deserved it. Uh, yeah i think the one thing this episode was missing was the holes reference they which they do do um you know a couple times in the series as a whole but i think that would have been the perfect cherry on top of this episode but yeah unfortunately didn't get it um also just like when corbin birds and henry finally shows up in the episode that's like also just another like he's not there the whole time and then it's like oh wait he wakes up in this motel and he's not wearing pants and it's just another great moment of comedy where it's just like he just keeps firing yeah and for some reason he, he never gets his pants like even i think the, one of the last jokes of the episode is they're all sitting in that room and, and uh the chief's like are you still not wearing pants like <laughs> what is going on so he always has a later addition to the episodes, but his comedy, I, I think, does bring this series up a lot. He, he's yeah. a strong addition, I think, to the cast overall. Yeah, I'm a big fan. Oh, yeah, he's great. Oh. Something that I think is a little bit unfortunate about this, and really, like, all these episodes is, like, Juliet does not, like, none of these are Juliet-centered episodes. And, like, this one specifically, like, she's on the outs. And even though, like, her and Sean are finally dating at this point in season six, it's just, like, None of these episodes really get to tell her story, unfortunately. So I think that's our probably our biggest miss out throughout these five episodes. I definitely like Juliet as a character. Uh, I'm glad they made the switch back on the second episode of the entire series. Uh, I think the the ending scene where they have a shootout in a five foot apartment is pretty great. <laughs> and still, nobody can hit each other. Like <laughs> the only guess- person- Gus goes, oh, they're shooting that guy's TV. That's your TV. <laughs> That's your TV, buddy. Shout out, Guster. Again, he always comes through. He's the guy. Him and the blueberry. They'll always save the day, even if it gets destroyed. Oh. <laughs> Not sure how they were Find still the driving that thing around. <laughs> Just a scratch. Let's move on to our second to last episode, which is also the second to last episode of the entire series. The lowest rated episode at a 6.2, season 8, episode 9, A Nightmare on State Street. 
Whereas Mr. Yen Presents was a Hitchcock episode, this is all about classic horror tropes. It references countless zombie movies. It references the Evil Dead franchise, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Nightmare on Elm Street with the title, and the whole, you know, dream thing. Silence of the Lambs, there's a what's the lotion on, in the basket scene, uh, Children of the Corn with the creepy kids at the school. It's just like all this classic horror iconography that gets constantly brought up. I also love that Bruce Campbell is playing the character, the, the sleep therapist character, because one, he gets previously referenced uh, in our Mystery Inn Presents episode. Uh, Sean says, oh, I read Bruce Campbell's book and it's better than yours. And then he appears as an actor in this one. And in two, he of course is, you know, longtime Sam Raimi collaborator, which takes us back to our, uh, our episode that we did, the original Spider-Man all the way back in uh, season one of Cap. So uh, another connection there. Shout out Bruce Campbell. Uh, look at that. How convenient. Shout out season one of Cap as well. Go check out that episode. <laughs> Classic. This episode, though, is not good. <laughs> no. I'll just say that. I, I'm not a massive fan of this. I think having Bruce Campbell there does make it a little bit better just because it does, you know, it, I mean, it hits it really hard on the head. The entire episode of, oh, you know, they're doing the classic horror movie tropes. Like, we get it. But Bruce Campbell being there is fun. I think this episode just got a lot going on. Uh, kind of just like an incoherent plot. It's kind of like they're trying to do Inception with with horror dreams. And I just got lost and stopped caring where I was at at one point. And yeah, also William Zopka's there as well. Hashtag sweep the leg. But yeah, kind of just a weird episode. And I kind of just like lost track halfway through and, and didn't care enough to try and figure it all out. Yeah, I was I, definitely watching this after work yesterday and fell asleep during it because I got so confused and slightly did, like. What were your dreams like? What were my dreams like? Um, <laughs> I just dreamt of getting hit with a giant fly swatter. Smack. <laughs> um, yeah, that 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 joke I just don't think really hits. No pun intended. No, yeah, I was gonna say, but yeah, I had to go back and see what actually happened and how the episode concluded because it just like confused the heck out of me trying to figure out what was part of Gus's dream, what was part of the actual like investigation, and it just was not doing it justice. So I think the investigations that they have are always super interesting. And they're like the ways that Sean solves them is, is always super creative. And it, it manages to constantly innovate and come up with these new ideas, these new cases. The case in this is just so nothing. It doesn't have like any concern for it at all. And it's, I think that's what makes this episode so bad is it puts the case in the backseat and it's like doing this whole dream thing. And when it's trying to finally wrap up and explain like whatever the fuck happened to William Zabka, like it just loses you. And it's just, it's bad. Yeah. I genuinely don't even remember what the case was. So well, it's like, I watched it yesterday. Well, so it tells you. I, well, it's like they're dealing with one case, but then they happen upon it. Like, I don't even know. Um, it, it just turns out that Zabka has gambling debts basically. And he gets killed by a mobster. Oh, oh. I, I think I missed that completely. <laughs> um, yeah. Hashtag sweep the leg. And as well, it's just a weird penultimate episode for the series as well. I think, I think maybe they just, kind of overthought a little bit they, i think they just tried to give a like a really cool gus episode maybe to end that off but just i mean it's him just basically screaming and running around for like 45 minutes which i mean it, it does get a little bit old uh by that point but yeah still not a terrible episode i don't think maybe whatever it was 6.2 6.4 is a little bit harsh but yeah, not not the best this show has to offer by far, I would say. I will say I'm a big fan of a, of a nice Gus scream. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. But but I agree. It happened a little too often. This episode. I think that's 
that's probably why they did it too because everyone's like oh I, I love when gus like freaks out when he sees a dead body or something but i think that it's just a little bit overkill yeah you know both of this episode and the finale are really concerned about like wrapping up gus's character and then in the end they kind of just like like yeah actually we don't really give a shit like they're just gonna be together and be best friends forever but like i think you can see this episode is like because the whole thing is like sean keeps leaving him in his dreams and he has this like fear so like i think there's like a cool idea and theme there of like the show is coming to a close you have to like reckon with that and your your these characters are leaving you and like sean is going to be abandoning you gus like you can feel it happening but then like it just does not stick that landing whatsoever because it tries to like revert back to the whole like the, to solving the case and then it doesn't even really wrap up or explain like what's going on with Gus at the end of the day like it's just like kind of it's like eh, it's all good yeah he has like another nightmare to end the episode and Sean just comes over and they drink milkshakes and that's how it ends well and then the final shot we, we yeah. gotta talk about <laughs> which is the most camp thing ever is they they turn to the screen and they've got these you know fucking colored oh. contact lenses and oh it's scary Woo! yeah great it is kind of an interesting theme I guess I didn't think about this of it being like oh Sean's gonna leave Gus I mean that is pretty much what happens in the finale but it's not like touched on at all so and like I don't think him having nightmares is really talked about at all before this episode either. So kind of just a weird outlier, I think, uh, altogether. We'll we'll keep track of the guest stars in this episode. We had William Zabka, Bruce Campbell, and then also Kurt Smith again shows up and and says he, well, he's listening to his own song. He's like, it's very Rob Thomas of me. Oh, yeah. So uh, three guest stars in this one. Uh, we'll move over to uh, season eight, episode ten, the finale of the show, titled "The Breakup." which has some guest appearances from Billy Zane of notably Titanic fame uh, as kind of the villain of the episode. And then Val Kilmer makes a like one shot cameo, which when I saw, I was like, I had no memory of that happening whatsoever. Yeah, I did not either. I, it's kind of just, and that was like a character who I think was mentioned a bunch of times throughout the series. They constantly bring up like, oh, Detective Dobson, this, like he's, he's, but you never see him. So like it works out as a cool moment. And I do have a little bit of background on this. So the whole thing is that throughout the series, Sean is constantly talking about William Zabka and Val Kilmer as like his two favorite actors. So they got mm -hmm. Zabka to come in for the penultimate episode and be like the final guy who gets killed or whatever. And then they get val kilmer to do a one-shot cameo because it's val kilmer and you're not going to get him to show up for more than that apparently Dulé hill had like a friend of a friend who knew val kilmer and he was like on the phone with him and he was just like i just put him on the spot i was like are you coming on the show or what he was like also on a cross-country show tour doing like uh, the citizen twain uh, like on stage and rodriguez like came to the show to like have a face-to-face -face with val kilmer and like really like went up to him and was like you you gotta come like we need you to do make sure this cameo happens and they got it so uh kilmer said it was easier to just do it rather than dealing with james rode rodriguez constantly pestering him i mean why is val kilmer all high and mighty all of a sudden i mean what, what is he doing he's not actually busy um kind of weird but yeah i think that's cool to have him on if if they really wanted to have him on that much and yeah, it was a fun little scene, I think, at, at the end of the episode, too. So I, I dig it. I hadn't picked up on them mentioning, like, Officer Dobkins or whatever his name was. So I was very confused when that happened. <laughs> um, 
so yeah, that was <laughs> that was my take at the end of that. Fair. But in general, I, I do like this episode. I think, and going back to what we were, I said a bunch earlier too, but it really does highlight, you know, what is the the true, I think, backbone of the show, and that's you know Gus and Sean's relationship. That's the main focus of this episode, and I think it's a really good ending. Um, it's kind of it has a weird start where I was like, why is Sean like narrating into a camera? <laughs> Um, I don't I don't really like this, but it, it does have a cool payoff, you know, kind of he didn't know how to how to tell Gus that he's leaving. And like, that's a believable way of, of how he would do it with everything. So I do kind of like that incorporation of kind of a different, you know, just style of of how you're going to do the finale. And yeah, a lot of, a lot of little fun moments, too. I, I really like the line of oh, we bought a zoo lied. Um, I think that's pretty funny. And then, I mean, of course, the engagement at the end. I don't know. I'll definitely throw this over to you guys, but I feel like it's not really necessary. And then like the ring getting stolen at the end is kind of just like, what the fuck was that for? I'm not the biggest fan of that. The uh, What do you guys think about the engagement, I guess? Ending the show on an engagement, I think is the right move. I think this show, you know, you're, you're wanting to see their relationship blossom from episode two to the finale. So, you know, he gets to have his moment with Gus at the end. And yes, he needs to have his moment with Juliet as well, where they, they get engaged. Um, I think it's really unfortunate. I had like totally forgotten that she like leaves and go to, goes to San Francisco throughout the final season. And the, she's not even in the second to last episode at all. She doesn't even appear. And then in this one, she's just really just shows up at the end or, and is on phone calls with Gus, which I, again, is just like, I think it's really unfortunate that that's like the direction that they took with that character. I guess it was like contributing to the, the nature of it ending and having to have like Sean leave Santa Barbara. But uh, yeah, I just think it's it kind of just a bad plot decision. I always hate it when you like move one character away and they're like doing a weird, like long distance relationship thing. What do you think about the ring getting stolen from that reason? That, that is dumb. Yeah, I think that's <laughs> stupid. <laughs> It's pretty. Uh, I thought it was <laughs> pretty accurate with the crime rate in uh, San Francisco nowadays. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't mind it ending on a on a nice engagement, kind of tie the knot uh, on their relationship and kind of bring it full circle. I didn't necessarily mind it. I thought it was good to to kind of bring them together and kind of have a happy ending, I guess. I don't know. I I just feel hesitant on it because I feel like he's moving to San Francisco for like. He's leaving all these people behind. And then like... You just think five, that's enough? Yeah, and then there's like five minutes left in the episode and he's like, oh, they have this big thing where Gus is basically proposing to her as well. I don't know. My opinion means nothing, but I thought it was kind of weird. But <laughs> I, I did like the finale in general just because it does focus on you know the core friendship of the show, which which is the only important thing in my opinion. So yeah, good finale, I think. A lot better than the, the penultimate episode, no doubt about that. Um, what do you guys think about the detective that they uh, brought in to replace uh, <laughs> Juliet? Watching five episodes uh, just randomly, I had no idea who this person was, <laughs> why she was there, or what was going on. So I was very confused. Uh, but shout out, um, oh, his, his name's blanking on me for becoming the next uh, the junior detective. Buzz <laughs> McNabb, baby. <laughs> McNabb. Um, but yeah, the the female detective that is coming Betsy. in being like a, a a new yeah I didn't even pick up her name uh, a new superstar. I had no idea what was going on with that. Yeah, it's definitely confusing when you take it out of context. And I I was also kind of trying to figure out, like 
I was even trying to be, I was like, what even happened to Juliet? Like, I remember her, she like kind of leaves, but I don't know when or why, or I, I still don't even really know why. <laughs> well, I think it has something to do with the chief. Like she left. Yeah. I think, yeah, point. Chief Vic yeah. wants her to come with, I'm pretty sure. Right? Yeah. But this new uh, Miss Miss Goody Two-Shoes, I mean, she knows everything at all times. She's kind of like a Sean 2.0 out here. Uh, but she doesn't even have superpowers. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't, I, you could have like, you could have said like 10 different names and I would have never in a million years guessed Betsy. You could have given me like Betsy versus any other. Well, name. I think, I guess Lassie probably calls her detective Brannigan, but still, even then, like, um, yeah, that's fair. But that is a cool moment. I think at the end officer, what's his face. I mean, he's in the pilot too, kind of pilot to, to finale. His arc is, is kind of cool as well. They said it would, it would be like the lowest uh, test score of all time to be a detective. Which I thought it was a funny line, but. It's cool as well to see, uh, you know, Lassie in, in the head seat as well. I, I think his arc from, you know, the pilot to the finale is is pretty full circle as well. He also has a kid now. I didn't know that <laughs> because in the end and his scene on that. But yeah, he uh, he gets a woman and, and a child. Yeah. He, doesn't he get married? I think he gets married yeah. at the end of season seven. And that is like when um, Juliet discovers that Sean isn't actually psychic is like that episode. Oh, okay. I do remember there being like late season drama at some point in time, but I've never really watched those episodes. I think one really unfortunate thing is that I thought it was cool that we just so happened to have season eight, episode nine, and the finale, like the two leading up to the finale, um, back to back. But to add on to why Nightmare on State Street was so bad, like it gave no context to like helping wrap up the show. Um, so <laughs> it doesn't really fit first, in in the context. No. <laughs> so i was really excited at first when i realized that i was like oh okay so like we're gonna watch these out of order but at least i'll get some context like watching two episodes back to back and then it could have know, been episode just... one of the season like it could have literally yeah. been anywhere in the season yeah so not helpful whatsoever it's also so, crazy I'm... that like because this finale is the second highest rated episode of the tv show it's got a 9.4 but it's crazy yeah. that like diametrically you have like the lowest rated episode at a six and then the finale people at least still stuck around with and loved i, I think that's a little bit of just like you know finale bump a little bit because i think the episode's solid but it's definitely not in the upper tier of, of psych episodes i think there are definitely ones that are much better than that also like that's gotta be one of the biggest jumps in tv history from episode to episode i would think <laughs> 6.2 to 9.4 or whatever that's that's pretty wild i feel like imdb wise so nice little trivia there i like that a lot any other final thoughts on the finale guess gus is the goat let's move over to our top fives cody you want to take it away give us your top five from these five episodes yeah i'll kick us off uh my top five letterman ask a list i'm gonna bring a fun one to to the table today i'm gonna rank the top five killers from the psych episodes we're gonna start off at number five and uh it's gonna be the mustache guy from the finale i think he, he brought some some fun stuff to the table you know some one-liners him you know having uh gus and sean at point blank and then sean throwing whatever that dust was in his eyes cinnamon flaxseed <laughs> cinnamon flaxseed <laughs> um him, uh, I mean, them hijacking the student driver cars, well, I think it was fun. And then obviously Corbin Burns and taking him out. Decent little villain. He'll come in at five. Number four, we're going we're gonna to go the old man from episode one. Kind of just wrong place, wrong time for old Gramps here. And the dog rattled, ratted him out. So kind of just tough look overall, but decent little character. I didn't hate him. Moving swiftly along, 
I didn't have his name originally, but uh, thanks to Vano, it's going to be Leroy Jenkins. Uh, <laughs> you know, he's not really in the, the episode too much in the, obviously the highest rated episode, but I think he's pretty good. The shootout at the end, you know, brings some depth in his character. And uh, I mean, he's one of the most wanted men in, in Santa Barbara. So you got to put him high or he's going to come after me. Coming at number two, I'm actually going to slot Yang in here just because I don't know who Yang is. So I, I don't feel comfortable putting him there. But yeah, that, like Yang's a badass. That scene where they go and just like talk to her in the prison, like it, she's still uh, pretty scary in my opinion. So got to have her up there. And then number one, it's someone we have not even talked about and I'm a bit shocked Vano didn't bring her up. But uh, it's the hot daughter from episode three. Um, you know, she's making moves on Gus. And yeah, she's by far the most intriguing villain, I think, you know, in these episodes. So uh don't know her character name as well, but uh, shout out to her. She's my number one villain. He kind of cheated and used some accomplices rather than the actual villains, but yeah. <laughs> well, she was she was the accomplice. I mean, Yang Yang murdered people too. What are you talking? Just not. not well, she wasn't the the killer from that episode. <laughs> yeah, but I don't even know who who's Yang, dude. I don't know, Mister Yin. Yeah, whatever. Yin Yang. Uh, I don't know, but, uh, Yang's definitely, I'd say, the, the OP of of Yin Yang. So shout out Yang. Chaos versus order, Cody. Beautiful. Great top five list. Connor, what's yours, man? I got a good one for y'all. Um, for those who don't know, they have a nice little Easter egg in every single episode of this show. And it's about pineapples. Um, there is a mention of pineapple um, or an actual pineapple in every single show, uh, whether it be like an image of it or a design uh, or a physical pineapple. And if you go to psychusa.fandom.com, uh, they have a list uh, and clips. Uh, Very helpful. From every single one in the show. But for my ranking, um, I'm going to go. Uh, number five is the Nightmare on State Street episode. For one, just to really hammer home how bad that episode was. Uh, and also hit it with Gus just kind of goes inside after being in the TV van. Uh, and it's like shaking um turn into like black and white uh and there are just a couple like half-eaten pineapples on um the counter so nothing too great for number four which i was kind of disappointed by is the breakup the the finale uh the pineapple in this episode is just like on the windowsill in henry's uh apartment when sean goes there for some reason uh i feel like they could have done much better with it to kind of reference it bring out like a full pineapple like they did for the first episode spoiler alert but uh i think it would have been great if they like brought it up when he was proposing or even like when they get in the car after the ring was stolen and they reference the first episode spoiler again um and he mentions like oh hey you finally cut this up for the car ride or something um and go off so that would have been great to see but they really dropped the ball in my opinion coming in at number three is last last night gus this one was close between two and three but in this one it's um when the quote-unquote hot daughter as her hot accomplice that Cody mentioned is drugging uh, Gus in his apartment, the pineapples are on the designs, is the design on the glasses. And supposedly, according to this website, they're also on the shot glasses at the bar early on in the episode. Um, so I brought it down for having two references in one because that's not fun. And number two, we're going with, <laughs> with the uh, Mr. Yin Presents. A creative location. Do either of you know where it is? I did not spot it, but I did find it in the IMDb trivia. So I do know where it is. 
So, yeah, so when they're in the park and they're running up the stairs, Lassie and Juliet are running up the stairs uh, to try and track down Mr. Yin. It is at the top of the fountain that they go to. Uh, so a unique place um, and kind of unexpected uh, during like a high intense episode. Coming in at number one is the pilot, the OG, the first time it's, it's shown. Um, it's great. It's unexpected. And Sean like presents it in a really witty way that he does. Um with everything else kind of adds to the seamless uh, character development for off the start. Um, but they're essentially in Gus's apartment and he just pulls it out from around the corner. He's like, you want me to cut this up for the road? I'm driving. Where are your keys? Never mind. I got them. Ooh. Should I slice this up for the road? I, I love that initial one. It, it's such a great like little one-liner right before the scene cuts to, to kind of wrap things up and give you a laugh before the commercial. I read online, I don't know how true this is, that that was like an improvised thing where there was just like a pineapple on the set and he like picked it up and you know added that on at the end of the scene. Um, and then because of that moment was then they spurned like, okay, let's make this a thing where we continually put it in all the episodes. And then it also became like a huge marketing material for them like if you find like psych merchandise there's pineapples on it all throughout so there's a weird and there was also like i feel like in the early 2010s like a big maybe even like the mid 2010s like a big pineapple push like it became like really popular like pineapple designs and shit and maybe psych started it all uh, who's to say <laughs> psych start national trends out here i see it, it it's also uh references sean's go-to housewarming gift is is a pineapple you should always bring it for a housewarming my top five is going to be my top five Sean observations. There was a ton to choose from throughout the series run. Um, one of my favorite things is how they kind of establish the way his like observational skills work very early on in the pilot episode. And then they stick through it, like stick with that methodology and that kind of style throughout the entire series. It's, you know, the camera pans, it like the item gets highlighted. It's got a cool little sound effect and it's just like super consistent. And it's also super clear and concise of this is how it works. This is how Sean understands things. And even when you may not put the pieces together, like he does, it's always very clear what he's seeing and then you kind of get to follow along with it so my top five observations number five is going to be the notes in william zabka's trash can now the reason specifically i wanted to put this one in the top five is not because i really think it's that great of an observation or that great of a movie moment it is during the nightmare on state street episode so it's not you know a great case but it's funny because he refers to them as booty call notes. And that, that's really the only thing is he's just like, William Zabka had booty call notes from the, the woman in his trash can. And then he realizes that it's actually just like she's teaching him how to read, which is also just a strange plot point that they throw in that like Zabka's character is an adult that never learned how to read and it just all strange all around. He's but a teacher? That is number five. Well, he's a PE teacher, so. Well, you'd think they'd have a reading test, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> number four is going to be in the one of the how many hats scenes. It's when Sean and his dad go to the bar and he asks him how many hats are in the room. But my favorite part about this is that he recognizes that the cowboy hat is no longer in the room. He closes his eyes. He's going around how many hats he counts them. And his dad asks him well, what about you forgot one? And he said, no, I didn't because the cowboy hat walked out from when I closed my eyes to when I got to the final end of the count, um, which is just enough, like, that's like in the pilot episode, it's like, oh shit, like this is the power that this dude has. Like he has this strong of observational skills, which I think is a great thing to uh, establish very early on. Number three is the giant 
yin yang symbol that he discovers out of the formation of the woman's body in the rock. Um, I think it is a ridiculous one because it's like one, how did you possibly like see this as a yin yang symbol? Even when it like zooms out, you're like, it's a bit of a stretch that it's a yin yang symbol, but it's because it's so ridiculous that I kind of love it and that they even like do the little drawing. Um, so it's going to make the top five. I just noticed you're, you're wearing a nice yin yang hat uh, to yeah. honor it right now. There you go. It's a little Mac <laughs> Miller swimming hat, but you know, yin yang on the, I'm uh, got to support Mr. Yang. Number two for me is not an actual observation, but it's when Sean puts his finger to his head and goes, what happened last night? And he can't remember anything. And you just get the like, basically it's because he was, you know, drugged or whatever. So he has his blackout moment. But I just think that's a really cool thing where it's like, it's doing the traditional, oh, we're going to go back into Sean's memory and see what he's lived through, see what he remembered. But then it kind of twists it and turns it on his head that he can't remember anything. And you just get all these different flashes, which I think is a cool, you know, change of the style. And then number one, also in the pilot is at the end of the episode, Sean solves the case. He's talking to his dad. He looks over to his dad's front seat and there's a newspaper clipping of Sean kind of being in the paper of, oh, you know, this guy's psychic detective solves case, which I just think is a really sweet and awesome little character building moment where it's like Sean and his dad have never had a great relationship. They still don't really get along in a super great way, but it's this little thing to show like, hey, he's really proud of what Sean's doing right now. And even though he says he doesn't support it, he's going to be there to help him. And he's going to be there to, you know, he's, he's proud that he formed his son into this kind of, you know, little detective. Very wholesome. Uh, Had to be number one, number one for the wholesomeness. Great ending to the list there. Yeah, the, the yin yang one specifically, that would probably be my favorite too. It, it is a little over the top, but I, th I think that is really cool. Just like set design as well. So good list. Let's move over to our pitch. I'll, I'll get us started here. I, I don't really have anything too in-depth. Obviously, we have mentioned they've done three TV movies following the conclusion of this. So um, in case that they have you know, done any of our pitches, uh, don't sue us for, for copyright infringement. In the finale, they reference, they reference Monk, which I said is kind of the sister show of Psych. It does take place in San Francisco and, and Chief Vic at the end is like, oh, we already have a guy that solves crimes and he's in there, you know, alphabetizing the pantry or whatever, which is like a monk reference. So my pitch is let's do it. Full monk psych crossover. We want Tony Shalhoub, Men in Black star himself, now star of Marvelous Miss Mabel, um, giving me monk and, and psych in a crossover. And if we can't have that classic San Francisco show crossover, let's get some other classic San Francisco properties. Full house. Bring them together with, uh, let's do, I want to see Uncle Jesse and Sykes solve a case. Maybe That's So Raven, another great one. Ant-Man, can uh, Scott Lang and Sean Spencer maybe do a little something? Dawn of the Planet of the Apes takes place in San Francisco. Maybe Sean, you know, has to fight a monkey. I don't know. There's lots of San Francisco properties that we can pull into for a little uh, future site crossover. Yeah, I think every single one of those are absolutely great at this and they should run them all it's the world of ip that we live in it, it only makes sense to build upon these these franchises and, and create more crossovers it, this would be bigger than the uh the men in black 21 jump street crossover we need the the psych plane of the apes crossover that's a hard one to me but <laughs> fair enough what's your pitch cody yeah a couple ideas I feel like, I mean, most of these in general, you could just do like a one episode sort of spinoff like they do for a lot of other ones. Just a couple rattling off the bat here. I was thinking Psych on a Safari. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Get some animals involved in some crime. Uh, psych in Space. I mean, that's obvious. I don't know how they didn't do that one. You uh, heard about Pluto? 
That's messed up. You heard about Pluto? It's messed up, right? Mm. <laughs> yeah, true. The you know the nine planets. He keeps mentioning it too, so that makes sense. That honestly, that that should be a pitch for their movie. Um, when the Fast and Furious eventually go to space, just fucking Psych should be there for some reason <laughs> in, the, in the space station. But past that, I thought as well, like pairing him up with a detective. Sherlock Holmes would, of course, be a fun one. Maybe do like weird time travel episode or just like a period piece where they're solving with Sherlock. Another one. And I mean, we're already talking superheroes. Uh, I know Connor likes Batman, so might might as well throw him into the fray here, too. The, great, the world's greatest detective Dang. versus there the world's go. greatest detective. You'd have like a Riddler in, or, or Joker, I guess. Either would kind of work where, you know, Sean's helping Batman, you know, kind of do all these these weird riddles and stuff. I think that'd be fun. Uh, but my actual pitch it's gonna be Psych and the Muppets. <laughs> did they do like a musical episode? They did do Psych the musical yeah. as like a special between season eight and season nine. Yeah. I love it, Cody. We might need to start a whole show that's just watching TV show musical episodes because there's so many great ones. Yeah, that is true. They, I feel like that is a pretty common trope. But yeah, I think uh, the Muppets is perfect for this too. I mean, they even had a you know kind of a detective-based Muppet movie and Muppet Most yeah. Wanted. So I think it's perfect. You, you pair up Kermit the Frog and Sean and, and pretty much they can solve any case, I would say. So that'd be my big pitch. I honestly don't know why they haven't done that either yet. Uh, but yeah, there's a ton of stuff I think that you could you could cross over with this uh, pretty easily and, and make a lot of good content. Connor, what do you think, man? Yeah, man, I guess it's good that I'm going last because I took a much more serious approach. <laughs> we, we appreciate um... that more than, uh, than Muppets and Psych. Or... So, uh, so Muppets I are mean... dead serious, bro. What are you talking about? I took a very basic approach to this and kind of just following Sean and Juliet after uh, the engagement and maybe, maybe many years down the road and maybe they have a child uh, that has inherited Sean's gift or maybe his own or their own gift um, and kind of maybe Sean and Juliet are out of the game as, as uh, Henry was and, and this child gets into the same concept of, of, of an idea that bring that forces them back into it and then, and just brings a whole gang back together um around this kid so that was my pitch pretty basic no muppets or uh or ant-man <laughs> but but i feel like it's a pretty good idea I like yeah. it. Look, classic legacy sequel right there action i mean yeah no i actually really like that though because i think like you could do a whole really interesting thing of like how does site or how does sean handle fatherhood and trying to be different from you know the the mistakes that his own dad made but then also maybe trying to develop these you know observational skills because it's like this the show kind of has to deal with that throughout of like yes corbin bernson's character henry was a bad dad but he also like made sean into the detective and the person he is today and now you know he's kind of able to you know try and reconcile a little bit of the mistakes he made as, as a father throughout the series run but i, I think doing something with sean and juliet's kid i mean it like cody said it's the, it's the perfect legacy sequel makes sense sort of thing yeah and hey maybe since gus is there as well maybe he finally settles down and finally gets a, a, a line to work on a, on a lady and and maybe they have a kid of their own and you just follow little sean and little gus going around everywhere i would watch that solving uh maybe like maybe uh, they... school crimes yeah there you go or maybe they team up with the muppets <laughs> yes there we go we found it we found it how many yeah it's like uh let's put a poll out how many people would watch a psych muppets spinoff where it's just Dulé hill and james roday's 
kids <laughs> as the main characters, not actually our original characters. And then, you know, the Muppets. I, I think that'll sell. We're doing like it's a great Muppet idea. babies or the actual Muppets, though? Nah, the OG Muppet. Muppets. They're just completely outdated. But yeah. <laughs> what about Elmo? Can you be there? Hell, hell no. <laughs> Scrubs, Scrubs did the Sesame Street episode, so I guess that oh, they'd be geez. into it. No, I would say cool. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our last category: more or less. Are we gonna? Would you guys watch more than f- these five episodes? Uh, you know, it's a tough one because I've already seen most of the series, but I'm definitely gonna say more. Like I mentioned earlier, I mean, I did actually continue watching season one just because I was interested in like, all the rest of that because I forgot most of it. Uh, so yeah, it's kind of similar to the Scrubs, where I feel like I will continue watching this show slowly over time. But yeah, definitely more than five for me. I agree. As I mentioned before, I don't watch as much TV and stuff, so to see this like having reruns on TV or whatever was really cool and kind of reminded me how much I enjoy the show. Uh, so yeah, I'm probably with Cody. Uh, if he allows me to keep mooching off his Peacock account, um, <laughs> I'll go ahead and probably start watching the entire series again and really watch it all the way through because I don't I don't think I necessarily I don't know if we completely finished it all together um, when we were watching it back in 3015. So yeah. Yeah, you know, I think uh, I would definitely say you should go watch more than these five episodes. I will say like these five together, I could understand watching them and not really wanting to pick up the rest (laughs) of the show because like the finale is like not the greatest finale of all time. Obviously, the fourth episode is like the fourth one we watch is like so bad. The pilot is just okay. The Mr. Yen Presents one is in the middle of a like three, four part story. And then, you know, uh, The Last Night Gus is really the only one that I would, if I would just you know, show maybe that singular episode and then you'd be like, oh yeah, I'm definitely locked in for this whole series. But, um, you know, definitely watch more Psych. Uh, people need to know more about Psych. You know, it doesn't get enough love. Not enough pineapples out there. True, but more pineapples. And uh, I think Peacock's a little underrated too. Bano, you can definitely keep using my account. Uh, this has become know. a Peacock podcast, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> our our last two movies have been on Peacock. We've got this. Got good TV. Wait. I just checked out the John Wick franchise as well on there. So, you know, decent little streaming service. It's got some good stuff. It's got Tar, too. I mean, some Oscar winners as well. Great. great yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if our uh, our spinoff ends up on Disney Plus, though. So, yeah, probably. Yeah, that, if the Muppets that, are involved, definitely. <laughs> It's it's on about the same level of this recent Mandalorian season in quality, <laughs> equally bad. Oh, I haven't seen it. I would be remiss to mention, you know, Corbin Burnson, Henry Spencer. He does, you know, have the same name as me, and you know, I don't want to say that I I wasn't named after him, but like I also kind of very much was named after Corbin Burnson in a certain way. Like my wow. parents heard about the name because of Corbin Burnson, the actor, and they found it, and then they're like, my mom was like, oh yeah, let's use that. So, you know, th- there's another final connection for this episode. They did spell it differently, though. Thankfully for Cap. Thankfully for those initials. But, yeah. Shout out Corbin. Our whole brand could have been ruined. <laughs> True. <laughs> everything would have been different. If they were bigger fans of Psych, everything would have been different. But luckily, they were just small Psych fans. Now, uh, Major League, I guess, was probably the movie. I don't know. What else was Corbin Burnson in? Anybody else know? Not much. He's, he's good in Major League. I don't know. I wasn't around in the 80s, so... He's in The Dentist, in case you're wondering. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Oh, is... yeah, he's in that. Yeah, but that's like mid-2000s, isn't it? 2005, yeah. Yeah. And then he's in, obviously in Major League Two. <laughs> this is second. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Another classic. Uh, he's in Life with a Dog. That, yep. Great one. Yep. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, Psych 3, this is Gus. 
Psych two. Raging, <laughs> raging sharks. This is just an incredible IMDb page. Magnum PI, four episodes of the reboot TV show that ran from 2018 to 2023 and is still on, apparently on Peacock. Hey, shout out. Any final thoughts on Psych, guys? I do think it's a good show overall. If you haven't seen any of the episodes, I would check it out. Definitely one I would back, but just wanted to shout out Counter Vano. I mean, number one guest on, on the pod in general for movies. And then, of course, I mean, if we start a new series, he's got to be the number one guest, too. But, yeah, just wanted to throw a shout out to that because uh, I think that's pretty cool. Yes, definitely wanted yeah. to, to say thank you to Connor for coming on. I appreciate it. You know, I, I tune into the pod every once in a while to, to kind of stay caught up with what y'all are, are talking about related to movies. And maybe one day I'll actually watch what you guys want. <laughs> but, but, yeah, you know, it's always good to catch up and, and come on the pod to, to talk to y'all. Of course, we live in three completely different states and three kind of sort of geographical, different geographical locations. But but yeah it's good to catch up i'm glad to be here so it's great to talk to you it's great to talk psych thank you to everybody that listened to the episode and we'll uh catch you in the next month see you in may what you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things i have ever heard at no point in your rambling incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it.